And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen. Let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, I've got a special guest joining me. In fact, he was a former student of mine when I was teaching uh, college radio broadcasting. Now, he's a guy that delves into a lot of wrestling and also football, both American and international. So both uh, Americanized football and the international football. And he goes by uh, Joe Stereo when he's talking about wrestling. And then when it comes to World Cup, and you'll get a better understanding of why he goes by this name, but is John Jermoxican. And so I welcome you to the show. And uh, I guess the first thing, let's talk about uh, American football because we've got a lot going on there real quick. And um, tell us a little bit about your team first off. Ah, uh, the Raiders. Yeah. The- after the whole turmoil last year with John Gruden getting fired for invasion of privacy that the NFL did to him, two of our first-round picks being unfortunate criminals. Well, one of them just showed off a illegal gun, and the other one unfortunately killed. Um, we're talking about Henry Ruggs and Arnett, those two. We made the playoffs for John Madden because John Madden sadly passed away last year. Uh, iconic man for Monday Night Football for Fox and everything. And now this year we have Josh McDaniels, who I was not aware that this was the guy that led 6-0 with the Broncos one year, and then everything went to H-E double hockey sticks, as they say. So the Raiders to the, this, this time, they're still alive. They're somehow still alive. But the other teams, it, like the Dolphins, um, uh, I believe it's also the Ravens, which is going to be a big miracle to us. But that game, I, I said from the beginning, regardless if the Raiders failed to make the playoffs, if we take down both the Patriots and the Steelers, and by miracle the 49ers, even though they're ranked the number one defense in the in the in the NFL, I'll I'll be happy that season. And lo and behold, we got an early Christmas present. The Patriots now know what it's like to get screwed over what they did to us now you've got uh the raiders that originally were located in oakland then they moved to la then they moved back to oakland now they're in las vegas so they had success when they were in actually in los angeles you know um so they've had success everywhere they've gone they haven't quite had that success that they're looking for in las vegas uh that they've had both in oakland and um los angeles winning super bowls and stuff can first off uh Carr, the quarterback, Derek Carr, can he, is he a Super Bowl winning champion? And the reason why I ask you that is because, you know, the Vikings are having a very good season. They got the assistant coach, the offensive coordinator from the Rams last year that won the Super Bowl. But I don't think Kirk Cousins is a uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback. And so I ask you, though, is Derek Carr a Super Bowl winning type quarterback that could lead Las Vegas? Because you guys got, what, Josh Jacobs, the running back. You've got some, you know, pretty good offensive talent there. Is he the guy to lead the Raiders to a Super Bowl? Uh, a short answer, yes. It's just um, the problem is you have with Carr is that a, a lot of the times when he throws the ball, he doesn't. Uh, uh, he overestimates whether or not Renfro, who's like uh, like Messi's height, like the the soccer player it, it, that won the World Cup. So, but he can jump. But I don't think. The problem is when he jumps, sometimes you can't grab hold of the ball. But him and Adams, who were 
But if you remember this, son, they were both teammates in Fresno State. Both Carr and Devontae Adams, they've been doing fine. Waller came back after being injured for like almost the, the entire season. And what happens? He scores a touchdown. Uh, but the thing that's, that's not, that's not really Carr's fault, even though that they, after they have like a 13 point lead, everything goes that the heck with them because you, you see what happens. They get 13 points and then four straight games, they lose it. They lose it in the second half, if you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Well, that's that so, was always like the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings, they would always lose in the second half. And, and in fact, just recently, they were down 33 nothing. I actually turned the game off because yeah. I was, like, done. Yeah. And, and what happened? Yeah, I, uh, no, I went to go turn it on, like, the last few minutes, and I didn't watch the rest of the game because I was uh, do- uh, taking care of a, of a neighbor's dog. And... Lo and behold, I see later it went to overtime, and oh my god, the Vikings came back and won that game. Possibly the biggest miracle. Uh, where is uh, U.S. Bank Stadium located? I know it's in Minnesota, but what's the name of the street? Yeah, I don't know what street it is, but it's the like you said, it's the miracle on whatever that street would be because um, <laughs> it just was a what a the biggest comeback in NFL history. You know, coming overcoming yeah, thirty points is crazy. And you know what's ironic? Guess who the quarterback of the Colts was on, and he literally had made history for the wrong reasons. Was that the? I don't know who was it. Matt, Matt, was it Matt uh, Ryan? Yes. Yeah. And what? It, it, it's like. It, no, no. Go ahead. No, there was going to talk about, and they had talked about, you know, um, that this could have been a defining game for the Colts. And so when they got up, and Matt Ryan, like you said, and so when they got up to 33 nothing, everyone thought that, oh, this was, you know, the typical Vikings collapse. Kirk Cousins not a great quarterback. Um, you know, the Rams aren't for real. I mean, the Vikings aren't for real, you know, and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden they had this great comeback because they've got, you know, they actually got some really good receivers too and Dalvin Cook at the running back position. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was just kind of a – and then, then like you said, so you had the Vikings come back from their win, uh, from their 33-point uh, deficit to win. You had the the Patriots, whom at the time when they were doing all those laterals, I thought they were behind. I didn't realize that they were tied. And so they gave the game away. Um, you had the Cowboys throw that pick that was kind of uh, the you know the receiver kind of bobbled it and was picked for a return for a touchdown. You had uh, Tom Brady up at the half, and then the Bengals came storm back. So you had probably one of the most exciting weekends in football this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I I want to also add for the first time in the history of Tom Brady's career, he has eight games losing. Yeah, and he might still make the playoffs at seven and nine if they, if the cards work out right so, for him. Yeah, I know, uh, uh, but I, I do want to finish with the car thing real fast. Now he is a, a winning quarterback because if you ha- have paid attention throughout his career, he has done well when when the Raiders have to come back in like the last two minutes of something uh, of a game, and sometimes it doesn't work. But the majority of the time, eighty percent of the time, he tends to always pull it off. And, and here's the thing with Carr. Like, Carr, like I said, the one problem I finally did see after years of defending this guy is that he relies too much on almost the same people. And I know that's that's a weird criticism because you're supposed to give it to, to somebody that you know. But 
when you do it too many times, too many times, people are going to read it. Like, he got picked off in, in um, one of the drives because he was going to send it to Devontae Adams, and one of the defensive players of the Patriots read the call, grabbed the ball before Adams could even do anything, and yeah, that, that's the thing. Now, I do want to talk about how the Patriots screwed up this game. Like, <laughs> uh, for 20 years, son, I, even though I became a Raider fan in 2011, I understood why the tuck rule still hurts Raider fans because it, it's what made Tom Brady Tom Brady because if that didn't happen, if the tuck rule went the other way around, Tom Brady would not have been the starting quarterback for the Patriots. It was going to be Bloodshow, I believe that was his name, who was with the Patriots at the time. But, yeah, look what happened. So here's what happened. The Raiders lost the 13-point lead again, and they were down, and they had, like, two minutes left literally to try to tie this game. And Carr threw this ball to Cole, and when Cole landed, uh, everyone said it was a touchdown, but it took five minutes, five minutes to talk to New York, the referees to New York. And when that happens, that means either A, it's going to go our way, or B, they're going to screw us over again. And lo and behold, he got it. And, yeah, his foot was on uh, close. It was close. I can't. I, if I was a referee in that position, I don't know if I could overturn that because you need significant evidence. And when that happened, Patriot fans online were all crying, "Oh, we're getting screwed. We're getting screwed." And everyone from the Raider fan base goes, "Now you know how it feels to get screwed." And then you talk about that play, Chandler Jones, who stiffed arm Matt Jones in the face. I don't know what the Patriots were thinking. I think they thought, like, uh, maybe we could do what the Dolphins did to us. If you remember that miracle game that the Dolphins did against the Patriots, which the Patriots won the Super Bowl that year, but people will never let down what the Dolphins did with that miracle lateral pass game. And this was not needed. I was ready for overtime. I was screaming my head off for Chandler Jones to keep running and running. Got a headache in the process, but worth it. Worth it. And... This actually actually puts the Patriots in a terrible spot because their last three games, uh, two of them is against the Dolphins, and the last game is against the Bills. Yeah, that's going to be a couple of, a couple of, a couple of tough matchups. And then don't forget, remember, the uh, I think there was some scandal with the Commanders, wasn't it? The Redskins, the Commanders, and, and their game with the Giants at the end with that touchdown or something? Okay, okay, so here's what I, I didn't wa- I, I was actually, uh, once again, dog sitting on that day, and I didn't get to watch the whole, oh, no, 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 I, I was actually playing soccer that day uh, for a rec league, and I did have the game on in the goal, like, I had my phone in there, and te- since there were no rules technically, no, no, this was a professional league, amateur league, as they say, it's just, if you put your phone in there, if it gets cracked, that's not on us, so... <laughs> So I was watching it, but I was at 10% and battery. I'm like, God, the commanders are going to win this game. So I turned it off. I come home. The game is still on. And then I'm seeing the replay of that call where – so it was it was pass interference to me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the Saints and Rams all over again. You remember that game, right? Oh, yeah, In absolutely. The playoffs. Yep. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, why aren't the refs calling this? And, and I looked at it again, and I'm like uh, – even on the lowest level level of a Madden game, that is past interference big time. And, yeah, the commanders got screwed. And 
And I felt bad for them. I really did because they were actually becoming a good team behind the behind the Cowboys and the Eagles. But now uh, I don't know what their schedule, remaining schedule is. But all I know is that they need to win those last three games. And if they don't, they are they are they are gone. They're gone. And I think this will be Ron Rivera's last um, last season season with them. I think he's on the chopping block. Now you mentioned you're playing soccer goalie at soccer uh international football world cup just completed and argentina wins the world cup now going into world cup i thought that it would be more of a traditional style world cup like you'd have brazil you would have germany you would have england in there obviously france who was trying to repeat as world cup champions so you had i thought it was going to be kind of a typical world cup with all of these um traditional powerhouses in there maybe italy but it didn't turn out that way. Even though Argentina pulled off the victory, I believe for their second World Cup, the final four turned out to be pretty, uh, so third World Cup, so it turned out to be pretty unique from the standpoint of you had Morocco in there, which is part of your Germoxican. Tell us about yeah. the Germoxican aspect of Morocco. Uh, so I... So- so there was an incident like back in 2009 where I was having this one kid was, she was a girl, girl by the way. And yes, she, she was older than me. She was like harassing me for some reason. And long story short, things were said. Uh, she said something that was really bad that I, bad and I, and I, uh, and I got sent to the office and turns out I found out that from my parents that Joseph, you're, you're part of North Africa. And I'm like, what? Yeah, you're Moroccan. And I'm like, what? On my dad's side, my great grandmother came from Morocco. And, um, and yeah, but I didn't think too much of it because Morocco at the time didn't return to the world cup since, uh, the last time they were there was in 98. So, didn't know, but then they came back in 2018, uh, Kind of went okay for them, not really. But then in 2022, that's where all things happened. Also, also, I am Mexican on my dad's side as well, and German on my mom's side. But of course, the team I will always cheer for is the country I was born and raised in. This this country right here. And but before we get into those teams, son, let's talk about Qatar getting the World Cup and what the the controversies were, which was started from the beginning. So they get announced in, in late 2010 to be the host of, of this little, little Jimmy right here, the FIFA World Cup. And everyone that all went, oh, my God, why is it going to the Middle East? It shouldn't go to the Middle East. Look what they did to the woman. Look what the, look what the human rights violations and all that. And I, I was on the same boat with everybody. Why is it going to a country where in the summer it's going to – you know that Saudi Arabian Nights from, from – from Aladdin. Yeah, right, yeah. There, there's a reason why the, they say the heat is intense, because the heat is intense. So so four years ago, we got confirmation that they were moving the World Cup from summer to the winter. And we all, everyone cried out that this is not fair. Like, the World Cup is meant to be a summer tournament, not a winter tournament. And then you have the human rights violations. I think you were aware of that during the time and there were documentaries of it and I was like is this really all worth for a tournament that where a country that hasn't done well in soccer should have it 
But then I remembered people were saying that to us back in 1989 when the World Cup was awarded to USA for 1994, and everyone judged us because because we haven't been to the World Cup since 1950, but then Paul Caligari sent us to the to 1990 Italy with that goal goal heard around the world against Trinidad and Tobago in qualifying, and everyone shut, uh, shut their mouths. And in 94, and the World Cup did well in 94, and we got the MLS for, for that too, because the North American Soccer League was gone, and then – then you had then thanks to the World Cup we got the MLS back and everything, but here's the difference: we didn't force migrant workers from Nepal from other countries, and we put them in these encampments. Well, there weren't really encampments; they were slums in a way, and a lot of them ended up dropping dead. About over five thousand deaths happened, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah, it is blood money when you look at it, and. But at the end of the day, FIFA couldn't really overturn it because they were already changing the guard because of the FBI raids that were going on. So at the end of the day, it is what it is. But I think for future reference, unless the Middle East would be, would, you know, start improving on their things because we are going to get to one of the matches that I thought was really significant and it does involve USA. But uh, at the end of the day, I think the, let me start with the good with Qatar. There was no alcohol allowed in stadiums, which, which, yeah, of course, it made a lot of people mad. But, but when you look at it, nobody got kicked out out of, of the stadiums. No, nope. especially English, English and Welsh fans mostly because they they're the ones that majority get drunk in the stadiums and get kicked out. But they were they were given also also the fair play award as well because. They didn't cause any problems because they're the ones that mostly start the stuff, but not this time. Um, I think for, but there was alcohol sold, but it was at the fan zones. And you want to know how much uh, a beer cost you, Mike, uh, son? I would say, I would guess maybe 30 bucks uh, American. Close. Twenty-two fifty. Oh, I was some for some reason twenty-two is in my head, but um, but I was thinking maybe it was a little bit more. But yeah, I mean that's crazy. Yeah. But you're right; there wasn't a lot of there wasn't any incidences from fans. Uh, there wasn't any incident. You know, there was some thought of maybe terrorist attacks. There was nothing like that. There was some other mm-hmm. thoughts of maybe some other things happening. So all in all, when you take a look at the tournament overall, it actually went off pretty successful. Considering yeah. all the stuff that you had mentioned. Yeah, 172 goals scored, the highest ever for any FIFA World Cup, and five matches going into penalties, the highest ever for... And yeah, shockingly, 2018 and 2022, with Russia and Qatar being controversial hosts, surprisingly, they defied expectations. And yeah, they're, they're considered by many people... People as despite being controversial, controversial, the best FIFA World Cups in the in the past at the end of the 2010s and the beginning of the 2020s. So, well, the other so thing got, too, it makes me wonder because um, everybody it's kind of like it's kind of like in America, you know, you got college football, right, and then you've got pro football. But in college football, even even let's say uh, people, women, men, doesn't matter, um, they don't have any interest in sports 
let's say, specific. Okay, they don't care about sports, but they will go and they'll watch their college football team, their alma mater play, and they'll support their alma mater. They probably can't tell you what's going on, but they want them to win and they'll go to the games. On the flip side of that, you've got international competitions like the Olympics and you've got uh, like World Cup and some of these other things where you've got now the country is what you're polling for. It's for your country, uh, whether it's your birth country or whether it's the country that you're in or maybe become a fan of a country because of how they do in the competition. And so it goes kind of beyond just sports and fandom for sports. You've got people that are rooting because of something bigger and follow the sport. And I think someone said or I read somewhere that World Cup is like the biggest uh, watched or the most watched international sport, even above the Olympics, because everybody pretty much, no matter what interest or lack of interest you have in sports in general, everybody is into the World Cup because the countries are involved. And that makes it a national pride thing. Yeah. Yeah. Four billion people watched, watched it. So yeah, yeah, there you go. And so so I do want to start off with this, uh, how I felt like, how did Qatar, the host nation, do compared to other other countries that hosted the World Cup? Uh, long story short, they, they, they are the first host country, well, to, also the second, to fail to get out of the group stage, but they're the first host country to come in last place. And that... Believe it or not, I did feel bad for Qatar. I did. I felt bad for the host team, but for a lot of people, they said that this was karmic justice because of what what Qatar does with human rights violations and all that, which I, I will uh, agree with. But I also want to point out uh, point out now now I do have to bring up something here. So before we get more into the World Cup, we got to talk about what happened to one of the greatest uh, U.S. journalists of all time, who who, if you remember, if you ever seen more than a game, he actually covered LeBron James. And we are talking about journalist Grant Wall, who sadly passed away at the age of 48. And the, the shocking thing is he died during Argentina versus Netherlands. And, and um, of course, there were people that were speculating that he was killed because he, he wore a rainbow shirt with a soccer ball on the bottom. And his brother, who was a LGBTQA, felt that he was killed because of that. But his wife, who works for the Biden administration, uh, was the one that exhumed his body, like did the autopsy. That must have been horrible for her, to be honest with you. And she came out and said that that he he died because of an erotic, mm. aortic problem. And, um, yeah, I think that put the rest a lot of conspiracy theories. But here's what I'll say. At least no one got killed in Qatar, like what happened in Russia when protesters invaded the field. There was poisonings that happened to those protesters. It's well documented. So, so there you go. And I do feel bad that Grant Wall died 48. And funny thing, son, I actually met him in 2015 at the Women's World Cup final between Japan and USA in uh, BC, BC Place Stadium in Canada. And guy's tall. The guy is tall. I couldn't believe I met him, and it does hurt that I'm never going to see this guy again. One of the things, too, that uh, kind of came out of when talking about writers is that there were a lot of positive pieces that were written out, uh, written about the uh, about the World Cup, too. And so, um, all in all, I think everybody minus 
uh, this experience that you're talking about, the loss of Wall, and then I think there might have been one other person that uh, passed away as well. But outside of that, those were kind of the only two things that really set back a great World Cup uh, action this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a sad footnote, and um, and but overall, the tournament has been great, and I I gotta say say it was um, that final. I don't think any t- games from this point on for a long time are going to top what happened in in that final because you got Argentina leading 2-0 at halftime and in the last 15 minutes of the game France the same guy Mbappe puts two first he puts a penalty then one of the goals of the tournament where it never touched the ground until he scored it and and then it goes to the extra time. Argentina go on the lead again with goal and technology awarding them the goal. And I didn't know it was Messi that scored his second goal of the game until after it was confirmed. But then a few minutes later, another penalty given for France. Mbappe, same way he goes. And and the goalkeeper went the other way this time. And, yeah, 3-3. Free, free. Then we go into penalties. Mbappe goes the same way again. Messi scores first, scores first too. So now it's up to the other players who don't have the number 10s on their back to literally literally put the game away. And uh, Argentina, they, they defied expectations, and, and there you go. To me, one of the most exciting sitting on the edge of your seat, nail-biting experiences in all of sports is Game 7, Stanley Cup, overtime. Next goal wins. And in hockey, the action is quick. The puck is flying. It could be deflected. I mean, it could just, I mean, you're on the edge of your seat. At least I am when I'm watching it because that is exciting hockey. So you just never know what's going to happen because it could just be in a, in a flash and the puck goes into the net and someone's winning. I think that happened, um, you know, when the Kings won it. Uh, they're at the, um, what was it, their second time, I think they won the yeah, Stanley yeah, Cup. It was, that, it was that deflection and all of a sudden it was the game was over and people were trying to register. People hadn't registered that the goal had scored because that's how fast the action is. Do you think that World Cup in these type of situations, penalty kicks is a good way to go? Or do you think they should have extended play and make them earn it on the, the field and kick a goal? Uh, no, no. Uh, answer is no. Quick no, because um, the pr- problem is is that that you're going to have too many injuries with people's biceps and legs. They're going to get hamstrings if they keep going and going because – I think the NCAA also took note of this, So, but they did change one rule when they went into extra time. Automatic sudden death, golden goal. They still they still use that system. But in, in the World Cup, I think they realized that this wasn't technically fair. Plus, there was that incident with Greece, who shockingly won the, the Euro in 20, 2004 against Portugal, and we're going to get to Portugal very soon, too. Um, I think because of that, they went, we can't have golden goal, we can't have silver goal anymore, whatever happens at extra time, and if it's still tied, we go to, go to a penalty shootout. Uh, but just a reminder, the MLS did try a new shootout system where you start midway from your opponent's field and you have six seconds to go go and score a, a goal. So you're going one-on-one with the goalkeeper. A lot of people thought it was a joke, but now there are some people that are thinking... Maybe we should try that option, but it, we're probably never going to get that back. But I, I do want to talk about the, the group stage real fast. Um, 
uh, actually, no, let, let's talk about the group stage because that's where all, all the excitement starts okay. from the beginning. First off, before we get to group stage, okay, you're going into the tournament, right? Okay, group stage. Mm-hmm. You Like you said, Jermoxkin, Germany, Morocco, and Mexico. Of those, one more. Well, then, of course, U.S. But of those three... Because we kind of figured the U.S., although I didn't, we didn't expect the U.S. to have to go to the final game and then get some help to get in. But of those three, okay, four, which, I mean, did you ever imagine that Germany and Mexico would be the two teams that were bounced going into uh, knockout stage? All right. So with Germany, I think there's – I didn't think – so here's the thing. Uh, when they were facing Japan, when they scored that penalty that they got, I actually went back to sleep because this was at like 2 or 5 in the morning, and that was the one downside of this World Cup. I couldn't watch all the games because getting up at 2 in the morning was a pain. It was. That's why I'm glad it's coming here, and we'll get to that. Um, but then when I woke up, I heard that Japan scored one of the greatest goals, and I re- re- rewatched it. I'm like, what the heck is going on with Germany here? This is this, this is the second time they're going to lose the opening match again because they lost to Mexico four years prior, and then they did poor against Spain, and then even though they won against Costa Rica 4-2, ironically, the same scoreline they beat Costa Rica with in 2006 when they hosted the World Cup at that time. The thing is, I had a feeling Germany was not going to succeed because a lot of these new kids were coming in. Some of the old guard was already old guard, and they weren't going to be that machine. Their nickname is the mindset means machine, and the problem is you have to build up a new machine. You can't you can't just do it again. And for them to go out like that again after what happened four years ago when they were the defending champions, now they're. I'm just going to say this: there's a strong possibility they're going to end up like Italy because Italy, after they won the World Cup in 20, 20, 2006, they went out in 2010, went went out again in 2014, didn't qualify for 2018, and they didn't qualify for 2022. I have a feeling, even though the World Cup is going to be extended to 48 teams with 16 teams from Europe getting a spot, I have a strong poss- I have a strong feeling that Germany, unless the Euro, which is in, tw- in Germany in 2024, less than two years from now, unless they show promise, but remember, Italy won the Euro too, and look what happened to Italy. They went out again. So I have a bad feeling Germany's going to suffer the same fate unless they change something. And... Let's get to Mexico. This was the most heartbreaking out of all of them because going into the term, tournament, a lot of Mexican fans had low expectations because the coach, Tata Martino, who who any Atlanta United fans who, 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 who you have on your show, who listen to your show, know that he was the one that got you the MLS Cup after three years of being in the league. So, And we thought somehow he's going to get this team through. So the game against Poland, honestly, Mexico could have beat Poland, but the story of that game was 37-year-old Memo Ochoa, one of my favorite goalkeepers of all time of Mexico, stopped Robert Lewandowski's penalty. And, yeah, it was a 0-0 draw. Wish there was more of it, but maybe. And But when Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia, every Mexican fan had hopes because it just showed maybe this is the year we finally take down Argentina. And it kind of looked that way. We started off strong. There was a... 
a blown call that the referee missed where some Argentinian players spiked the back of the foot of one of the of the Mexican players. But uh, the one problem with this World Cup was the refereeing was 50-50. There was a lot of bad refereeing in this tournament. And then Messi scored the goal in the second half, and then Argentina went on to win 2-0. Now we have to take down Saudi Arabia, and we had to score three goals while Messi had to save Mexico in a way to to get them through. But, nope, uh, we may have beaten Saudi Arabia with one of the best pre-kick goals I have seen in years from Mexico. It ended 2-1, and for the first time since um, 1982, Mexico has failed to get out of the first round. Yeah, and I think it's been, I don't know if it's ever happened, with Mexico and Germany not being there. Um, you take a look at, a lot of people look at Croatia, and I think they forget. Was that they beat France? I mean, France beat Croatia last time for to win the World Cup. I mean, Croatia's been yeah, a pretty good team, even though you don't really hear about them. But Morocco, first time that an African country made the Final Four. Yeah, yeah, and so shock, shockingly, again, I missed two of Morocco's games, but uh, not 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 the second one. I saw the last ten minutes. Thankfully, I got up for it. Where they took down number two ranked Belgium. That was that was unheard of because Belgium they were the golden generation. They were, but Kevin De Bruyne, I don't know who is his who is his writer, should not have said the following thing. And this is what he said. We are not going to do well in this tournament. Why would you say that uh, of all circumstances? So here's how Morocco started. It, it, they went 0-0 with Croatia, the runner-ups. That's nothing to bark at. And the goalkeeper, Bono, I, I, he shortened his name on the back of his jersey to Bono. So, no, he's not He's not the U2 front man. He doesn't have those, uh, those alien glasses that Bono always has. And no, he did very well in that, and he did very well in this game. I saw the highlights after, and I just couldn't believe the saves this guy made. I just couldn't believe it. And then in the last game, they took down Canada, Canada, who I briefly want to talk about because they're in the same group here. Everyone expected Canada to be the the underdog, the true Cinderella story. But and they were praised for their loss against Belgium because Belgium only beat them one zero, and there was a missed pen. Well, Alfonso Davis missed the penalty, and there was supposed to be a second penalty given to them, but the referee, for some reason, didn't give it to them. Everyone thought, oh, it was a great performance. Then, in the first two minutes, son, of the game between Canada and Croatia, Alfonso Davis headed the ball inside the box to give Canada not only their first-ever goal in the FIFA World Cup, but their first-ever ever goal against any team. It was shocking, but then Croatia came back and eliminated them 4-1, and then they lost. Now we get back to Morocco. Morocco took them down 2-1, and and then Morocco went up against uh, Spain, and everyone thought this was it. No, Morocco's not going to go far because, ironically, the last time Morocco won the group stage was in 1986, Mexico, and 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 one of their opponents in that group, they're going to end up meeting later after this game, was Portugal. And, yeah, they won that group, and I believe they lost to, to West Germany at the time because Germany was still divided at the time. But, but yeah, and then this game was 0-0. Spain had multiple chances to send Morocco home. And on the last play of the game, Spain had this ball. Literally, he, cro- he shot it, and it clipped the 
the upright, the left side upright, if I'm not mistaken, and it went out. And and then it went to penalties, and then I'm watching it with my dad, and my dad is going, no, no, Spain's going to get this. Spain, four years ago, against the host nation Russia, went out on penalties. That was one that acquired one of the biggest upsets because Russia was ranked 66 in the world at the time against Spain, who was in the top 10. And and when Spain missed all those penalties and Morocco scored two of them, if I, no, did they score? They scored three. And it was the first time a goalkeeper shut out a team since since the Ukrainian goalkeeper in 2006 against Switzerland. That's how ironic, uh, iconic it was. This goalkeeper, Bono, did something that has taken almost 20 years to get accomplished. And... Yeah, Morocco went through, and they were going against Portugal. And we all fought the final. Everyone pegged the final, Argentina versus Portugal, because you had Messi and Ronaldo, the two of the greatest, if not the greatest, of the 21st century. And for some reason, Portugal decided to start Ronaldo on the bench. But given what was going on with Ronaldo at the time, uh, I started seeing the cracks, and a lot of – Portugal, Ronaldo fans are saying there were no cracks. There were no cracks. He couldn't play a full game anymore. Something was wrong with him. Like, and it turns out back in 2014, he suffered a bad injury. Uh, uh, never mind the noise. Um, bad injury to his Achilles tendon, and he still played with it in 2014. And the doctor said that he could still play soccer, but he can't do like tactical moves anymore. He could only be a target shooter. So there's that. And he's 37 at the time, uh, uh, time of this recording. And when they were down, and I swear, I had to replay this goal because I thought I was dreaming it. Morocco, one of their players, jumped higher than the goalkeeper to head this ball in to give them 1-0. And then they put Ronaldo in the game. And Ronaldo's last shot on goal was saved by the by Bono. And then when the whistle blew, no one could believe that Morocco, 22 ranked in the world, took down Portugal, a team that everyone wanted to see in the final with Messi. Yeah, I mean, you take down Spain and Portugal and come out of that uh, uh, pool play anyways and then beat those two guys. Uh, those two teams, you're looking at a pretty significant advancement from a team. What is more shocking, Morocco making it that far? I guess they finished, uh, well, I guess they lost to Croatia, so I guess technically, what, fourth? Morocco yeah. making it that way or Brazil getting bounced? Because Brazil was the favorite and the number one team, and they didn't even make it out of pool play. What was bigger, uh, Morocco? A bigger story, Morocco or Brazil? Uh, you, I, I got to talk about Brazil, man, no. I no, I will give credit to Brazil as much as I despise this team. Like uh, I already told you, like before we had this conversation, we're not going to dwell on why I don't like Brazil that much. Well, it turns out Brazil, even though every Brazilian wants them to win, there are people outside of Brazil that don't want this team winning anymore because they won everything. They won. They won the the Copa, the Copa America. What the? It, it's like the Concacaf Gold Cup, but with South American teams. Even though we get invited most of the time, they won the Olympics back to back for the first time in 2016 in their home. Neymar was the one that scored that game-winning penalty, and in 2020, where they played in front of no fans because Japan. 
I'll give credit to Japan. They just didn't want the virus to, to come back in their country. And we'll get to Japan too, because they, 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 they have, have a shocking story as well. Um, but Brazil, that goal from Richarlison, I don't know if you ever saw the highlight of this. It's where he, he did that, that, that scissor slash bicycle move against Serbia. And, and that was, that's already officially the goal of the tournament. I watched the, the, the results. Yeah, goal of the tournament, and I can't blame him. But I wasn't celebrating. I was like, <clears throat> like angry. Like, come on, Serbia. You, you had four years to learn, learn Brazil's tacticals. But sir, here's the thing. Two teams played scared against, against Brazil because they were scared of them. This team did not lose a single game during qualifying. And Switzerland, they were the only team for four years ago to tie against them in the group stage. They couldn't do it again, 1-0. And one of my favorite games that I'm going to mention here was Brazil versus Cameroon. Brazil played their B squad, but they were still putting putting shots on Cameroon. Cameroon barely got that many shots. And then in stoppage time, Abu Bakukar, that's his name, uh, got across from one of his teammates, and this was in stoppage time. He headed the ball into the goal, takes off his shirt to celebrate, even though he was already on a yellow card, and and the referee from the U.S., who who was one of the best referees of this tournament, I kind of wish he ref the final, final because he actually had no baggage. There was no, no issues with him. Players have all stated that this U.S. ref was the best ref of the tournament, but... And he had no choice. He was smiling at Abu Bakar. He he told him, "Hey, I'm sorry, man. I got I got to do this." He gave him a yellow and then a red. And Abu Bakar went like, "All right." But for the first time in the history, an African team took down Brazil. And when that goal was scored, I didn't care if it was a B team. Brazil's weakness was exposed. Their defense, who hadn't done anything for the first two games, there was weakness. And I thought South Korea was gonna gonna give me an early Christmas present. Uh, but no, I was disappointed. They lost four one with with South Korea scoring one of the best goals of the mm. tournament as well. And then we get to Brazil versus Croatia. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I just gotta say, I got to start from the beginning with these teams because it, it, there is a story to how everything went down here. So now we get to Brazil versus Croatia. I'm literally in my room going, "Please, God." Give me a miracle today. Don't let Brazil. But the thing is, the reason why I wasn't fully against Brazil is because I don't know if you heard the story. Pele was, uh, is actually uh, suffering from colon cancer. And, and there were rumors that they moved him to end of life, life care, which I'm, I, I'm amazed I ever heard of that. Uh, but no, he ended up tweeting that he's fine. They're working on him. I guess there was some miscommunication with the media, media and, of course, they were playing this for Pele. They wanted to give him one more World Cup before he goes because Diego Maradona sadly passed away two years ago and didn't get to see Argentina lift the trophy. So Brazil, this game, Brazil, all Brazil, 90% of shots on goal, possession and everything. Croatia was just hanging on by playing defense. And then an extra time, Neymar, who found the roof of the net. And, and trust me, I was mad when he scored, but I even had to say it with quietly. I think that was one of Neymar's best goals ever, where he roofed it to the top. And then in the second half, I don't know how Croatia got this shot on goal, but then then I'll get to how the shootout went, played a factor in this. Croatia 
one of their subs who just came off the bench, shot the ball, it deflected off one of the defenders, Makinos, and Allison Becker, as much as he tried, couldn't reach it. Caressa tied the game. And then it goes to a shootout. Caressa for the second time in the tournament, because the in the round of 16, they took out Japan after the score was 1-1, and it went to a shootout. Japan, once again, cannot cannot win on penalties. I don't know what it is their issue is. They're acting like the New England, and we'll get to England too. Um, and Croatia, all their penalties were perfect. Uh, Brazil missed the first one, and then it came down to Marquinhos, the guy who had the ball deflect off his leg to go into the goal, and he shoots it. Goalkeeper goes the wrong way, hits the post, and you could hear the the sound of it hitting the post because everyone was silent. And the moment that happened, he fell to the ground, and he was the one Brazilian in that game I felt horrible for because a deflected shot went in off him, and he misses the penalty. Brazil go out to Correia for the first time ever. Every time Brazil met Correia, it has been Brazil all the way. So this was not only sweet revenge for the Croatians, but it's a, and 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 for the first and only two teams in the World Cup who have won multiple penalty shootouts. One is Germany. Now it's Croatia. This is an elite squad, regardless of where they finished. It was just insane how this, how this, how this, how, how they took out Brazil and the, Brazil just cannot beat European teams. They were able to beat two of them in the group stage, but when it comes to the knockout stage, they they can't do it. They just can't beat them. Now, a couple of things I want to get to before we wrap up. One is how Team USA. Your thoughts on Team USA playing, and then two, I want to find out from you. The best player, you've mentioned a few. Uh, obviously, Pele, uh, well, Maradona is from Argentina, Ronaldo, uh, Messi, uh, the Mbappé guy that, uh, you know, there's some different awards that were given out as well. And so first, let's start with how did you think Team USA did? They came in, they were expected to, um, well, I don't know what they were really expected to do. I figured they would at least get second in their pool play, which they did, then end up losing the Netherlands in the first round of the knockout. But I think it took them a little bit harder or longer, harder, longer, whichever, because I think they were going into their third and final match where they needed to at least tie and then maybe get some help as well. So it wasn't an easy road for them either, was it? Uh, no. No. And let's quickly start with the beginning with USA. There was that controversial thing I want to talk about real fast, the whole switching the US, U.S. logo with the Pride logo that turned out to not be the case. That was just... People getting getting wanting to start controversy. They had it at their training facility. They had both the this flag and the pride version that they wore. They never wore it during training. It was just to you know to support LGBT, which is there's no problem with that. It's just they they were doing it in a country that has you know that problem with LGBT people. But they did warn LGBT fans, please do not show affection because the people outside the, the fan zones are not going to be happy. But there were no reports of uh, problems at all. Yeah, there was that streaker that, that was there with that, but that, that, that nothing bad happened to him. But going into the game against Wales, when they scored first, it, I think that was a relief from everybody because they were like, this is a new generation. There was no way that they're going to get through. They're not going to perform well. Even though they ended up getting a penalty scored on them, they still performed well. The game against England was was the shock every 
one of the shocks, and then we'll get to Iran in a second, because they they held off one of the top ten teams to win the World Cup in this tournament. And once again, since 1950, England cannot beat USA at soccer. We took them down in 1776, we took them down in 1812, and we still take them down in the World Cup. That is that is just ironic. And then we get to Iran. Iran. You gotta give them give them props for their bravery. They refuse to sing their national anthem, anthem, and this is not the case how it happens here in the U.S. But they were doing it to protest the Islamic government that they have because of what happened to a to a woman who refused to wear her hijab, and she got no. This is one of those cases where her death was mysterious circumstances. She was in the hospital one day, and then she disappeared. Nobody knew where she went, and so the, the players did not do it. But then. The Iranian government told them, if you do not sing, we're going after your families. They, that's on record. And and so there's that. They ended up beating Wales 2-0. And quickly on that Wales game, the goalkeeper did something so stupid, I don't know why he had to come out, and he karate kicked the Iranian into the chest. And he got a straight red. That was straight red. I don't know why he did that. That's why Iran won that game. So with, And then we get to USA versus Iran. Before the game, there was an Iranian journalist that was trying to get into our captain's head to try to call out our country for what happened in 2020, you know, the George Floyd incident and everything. Tyrell Adams, uh, and he warned Tyrell Adams, please do not say er, Iran, say say Iran, not Iran. And so Tyrell Adams apologized, but then he said, that being said, there's discrimination everywhere, man. There's discrimination in other countries. I've been to other countries where there's discrimination, but you... But you gotta 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 learn how to fight with it and everything. We made progress in our country and all that. And that was the classiest I ever heard. Maybe you go LeBron James should take take some notes from this player, Tyler Adams. Now we get into USA versus Iran. This game, political. It was political from the beginning, son, because back in nineteen ninety eight, USA faced Iran. There were still tensions. Iran beat us two to one. They eliminated us from the World Cup. So in a way, we return the favor. Christian Pulisic scored possibly one of the most bravest goals I've ever seen because he sacrificed his groin area to score that goal. And we had to play defense, like what the 49ers have to do all the time. They they held on. And for nine extra minutes, of course, there were two times where Iran tried to get a penalty inside the box. But no, we stood strong. We beat Iran. And, and the moment we beat them, we went to confront, confront the players because it was sad. Iran, they were once again one step closer to getting to the knockout stage. But we, we, we did what we had to do. And I felt this shut a lot of critics up because, because as you know, the World Cup's coming to USA, Mexico, and Canada. We're going to have 48 teams and all that. And qualifying is going to begin very soon. And I know you, uh, and I think we should talk about the Women's World Cup coming up, but, but, but I just got to say, USA, in my opinion, did so much better than Mexico, even though we didn't score that many goals. But we did prove to everyone that we are still – We soccer may not be our number one sport, but we're going to get there. And the moment we win that World Cup, whenever it will happen in my lifetime or in another lifetime, we'll finally shut everybody up. So best player you have, you know, obviously Messi being a hometown hero now and bringing Argentina World Cup. You mentioned some other great uh, ones. If you were to look at this one, was Messi the top player in this World Cup? Was there someone better? And then B, who's the couple maybe over the course of World Cup history you think were some of the greatest players to ever play in World Cup? 
Well, in the 20th century, I've got to give it to two of the greatest, uh, Pele and Maradona, because Pele Pele was the youngest player to ever win the World Cup. Then you have Maradona in 1986, uh, leading Argentina to the FIFA World Cup. And my dad, he despises Argentina, but he loved Maradona because Maradona was one of the best players ever. And for the 21st century, you got to give it to Ronaldo and Messi. But at the end of the day, the 21st century player of all time, it has to be Messi. And then you mentioned the uh, Women's World Cup. It's coming to Australia and New Zealand, July 20th through August 19th. This coming summer, in fact. Um your thoughts on what we can expect coming from the Women's World Cup? Well, well, well. The funny thing is, is that back in twenty the twenty twenty Olympics, um, I was at a period where I didn't want to see USA win 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 another title or anything. But it wasn't because of Megan Rapino. It was because I felt the U.S. women accomplished everything. They did. They did. And when they lost to Canada, I was relieved. But now I do want them. I'm finally back supporting them because I feel this is the World Cup where they have to try the free beat, something that has not been done in any tournament uh, of soccer, unless you talk talk club soccer. So they're going into a country where – where where now it's 32 teams. The 2015 and 2019 World Cups were 24 teams, 24 teams, and I was I attended both of those World Cups in both Canada and France. USA, they ha- they have been struggling a bit. During, no, no, they got they qualified for the world for the World Cup. Obviously, that it's one of the easiest qualifying stages for them, but their friendlies have not been. How do you say? Everyone will say it's just friendly. It's just a friend. No, they, when you lose to to te- multiple teams in in a year, there is something inherently wrong because they had chances and chances. But maybe when we get to the World Cup, the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, and maybe maybe in February, if you have me back here, son, I'll talk about the the final round of qualifying because that. That's going to decide whether or not I feel USA is going to win, going to go and win this World Cup. But I feel with many other countries go getting better. Australia, of course, they're going to be the host nation. New Zealand, who haven't advanced to the to the next round of the World Cup, maybe this will be their year. They, if they meet USA, they're any team that meets USA, they're not going to get scared. They're not Brazil. They're not the men's version of Brazil. They. They are beatable, and that's what worries me. And yes, you have Megan Rapino, everyone's favorite person, but maybe, maybe, maybe the young generation will finally show up and actually get us to this Susie right here, as you see right here. And but, like I said, I, I can't decide who's going to win until the last three spots are decided because because I don't like to do start something incomplete and then get completely bamboozled at the end. That's that's me. So so in seven months, we'll see what happens. And then real quick, how did you get that thing, the, the, the trophy? That's pretty cool. Okay, okay. real fast story. 2014, went to a soccer store owned by a German man who I'm friends with, had this as, as a door, hold, door placement holder, and I asked, how, how much? And he's like, you want to buy that? And I said, yeah. He said 75. Deal. 
<laughs> of course, my mom was angry I spent money on this thing, but she's she's grown to like it, like it, and oh, yeah, because that's a cool yeah. thing. Because you you um you had the the PA announcer for what the um the galaxy, LA galaxy. yeah the galaxy come and do a uh, an interview and stuff, and you brought that in, and that was like the coolest thing ever. And so uh, again, now when you have World Cup and stuff like that, you've got your trophy that you can kind of flaunt around, and that's kind of cool. So uh, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Uh, real fast, Mike. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. I, I confused you with my, my good friend. John, are, are you hoping to, because I think there will be a game in Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, when it comes, when the World Cup comes here, would you, when you leave from, when you leave from LA to go visit people in Minnesota during the summer of 26? Oh, definitely. You, yeah, definitely have to probably go and try to catch some games, right? And, and uh, whether it be a combination of World Cup, baseball, whatever it might be. But, yeah, definitely if uh, the U.S. Um, is hosting World Cup, that is something that definitely must uh, must go see this time around because uh, I followed it. I follow World Cup, not as much as you. That's why I'm talking to you about it because you're the expert on it. But I'd love to go see World Cup, and that might be something to plan for in uh, 2026. Yeah, yeah, along with Canada, Mexico, and all that. Uh, real fast, just to double check if it's going to be coming to Arizona. Uh, uh, no, sorry, sorry, Minnesota. Mm. Real fast. No, no, Can- Kansas, Kansas, Atlanta, Houston, yeah. Seattle, all, all those. Well, there's definitely Miami. places to go check it out and travel to because I'm always going. I'm always down for traveling, as people know, and I'm always down for going someplace I've never been. So um, that'd be kind of cool. Joe Stereo, awesome having you on the uh, program. I guess I guess we're more talking to uh, John Germoxican with your insights in World Cup. So, uh, how many World Cups have you gone to? Uh, believe it or not, 1999 was what was when I went to go see the woman, woman, the U.S. woman win on penalties at the Rose Bowl. I was four at the time, but you know that started that. Then 2006 went to Germany. Then 2015 and 20, 2019 the Women's World Cup as well. So, yeah, uh, I was planning to go to Australia and New Zealand, but um, not too expensive at this yeah. at this point. I'll just. Well, if the Copa America is coming back in 2024 for in USA, I'll probably do that. Uh, 2026, definitely. And you also got the Olympics in 28. So it's going to be a big, big two, uh, I would say four-year span for you for soccer in the United States. Yeah, and like you said, you got World Cup here in uh, North America in 26, and you got the Olympics in L.A. in 28. It's going to be a lot of busy uh, time to check out some soccer in the next couple of years. So, uh Hey, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks so much for all your insights. And, yeah, we'll definitely have to do this again because this was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah I think the next time we meet, we got to talk wrestling because, uh, you, as you know, WrestleMania is coming yeah. to Los Angeles. Yeah, and I've been watching a couple of wrestling videos from some old-time wrestlers. And uh, I know a lot of people don't like wrestling or they might think this or that of it. But when you really get into it, it's, it's kind of a cool thing to see how these uh, – these wrestlers are and what they're like. So maybe we'll catch up on that uh, next time. So again, we'd like to thank our guest today, Joe Stereo, also known as John Germoxican. And um, let's thank you for listening.
Uh, you can check out our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. And you can also uh, click on the show link, and then all our shows come up. There's also a link to our SoundCloud account where you can listen and download the audio and take it with you on the go. You can listen anywhere. You listen to podcasts. Pick out your favorite podcast platform and log on and listen to the show. And you can also um, check us out or follow us on Instagram at TWO. Two Steps Ahead Podcast. And finally, you can uh, email the show at TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast at gmail.com. All else fails, just go, hey, Google, hey, Surrey, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. And until next time, God bless.